everybody. Welcome to episode 33 of Mortally Wounded. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, James. Joining us today, we have a very special guest with <laughs> us, the Aussie Wargamer himself, Tim Barclay. G'day, Tim. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And how are you guys? Fantastic, man. Very, very good. The hobby juices are flowing this year ever since CanCon. It's been Absolutely. Non-stop, um, just every night painting, posting. It's been good. Nice one. Yeah, good. I've started on the next project for uh, the Dwellers narrative event, so finally got some paint on some models, so uh, that's good because I've got a lot to do in three months. <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't done much since CanCon. I um, had a week off, which was nice because I was really pushing it pretty hard toward the end there. And I've just got into a game called Gaslands, which is uh, a post-apocalyptic vehicular combat game where you convert up Hot Wheels and race them around a track. And so I've been, I've been um, sticking some 40k bits onto, uh, onto Hot Wheels cars and, and painting them up. So it's been good fun. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. wicked. I think, yeah, I think I've heard of Gaslands. Um, I didn't realise it was hot, um, hot Wheels, but that's pretty cool. Are you going for like a Australian Mad Max vibe? Absolutely, the whole deal. Um, in the book, they have uh, one of the weapons op options is a wall of amplifiers. So uh, I got this this big old truck, and I'm I'm like building some some giant amplifiers that I'm putting on the the back of this big old truck. So that'd be good fun. Have you got your crazy dude with his guitar swinging around on chains? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Wicked. Cool. So yeah, this this show is going to be all about. Tim, as a hobbyist, the Aussie Wargamer, um, we're going to be talking mainly um, probably using your CanCon army as a reference point, um, as it was a phenomenal display that we can we can talk about in detail through this show, um, but also just to kind of cover off who you are as a hobbyist and really kind of pick your brain about techniques and things like that that you do, um, converting models if that's um, something that you do. Um, and then how you go about painting sub-assemblies, all, all that good stuff so that sure. listener, listeners can hopefully get some really kind of good knowledge for helping them improve as, as hobbyists. So, um, yeah, for anyone, any of our listeners that might not know who you are, do you want to just give us an introduction to yourself, mate? Sure. So I'm Tim Barclay, known as the Aussie Wargamer. Um, I've been on, on YouTube for a little while, giving that a bit of a break at the moment, but... Uh, I am from Moree in northwest New South Wales, small little country town. Uh, we started a club here about two and a half years ago um, and, uh, yeah, got stuck into the hobby and been doing it ever since. I was one of those guys that started sort of around university and then let it slide, had about 10 years where I wasn't doing much of the hobby and then picked it up a couple of years ago and, yes, been, been a pretty major part of my life since. Yeah, fantastic. That's kind of um, it's quite a common um, like backstory for a lot of hobbyists, especially yeah. sort of around our sort of age group, I guess. But like, yeah, there's always that excitement when you're younger, and you know, everyone goes off and finds girls and parties and you know whatnot, and make come full circle and come back to absolutely the, come back to what's good in life. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've, I've found the girl. We've we've done the parties. Yeah, we're yeah. back to the hobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Cool, man. So, um, like, so how many, um, armies have you painted? Do you, like, have you got a whole like, range of different armies or what? Yeah. What's, tell us a bit about, um, 
Okay, tell us about your first love. What was your first army? Sure, sure. So I got into the hobby with uh, the Middle Earth strategy game, which was Lord of the Rings uh, strategy battle game back then. Uh, big Tolkien fan, love Tolkien-esque fantasy, and uh, and got into the hobby then. My my flatmate at the time was playing as well, and so he painted up a, a whole bunch of Lord of the Rings stuff. Then I found um, Warhammer Fantasy and started a Vampire Counts Army. Played Warhammer Fantasy and didn't really like it very much. I thought Lord of the Rings was the much better gaming system, and so I, I played maybe two or three games of Fantasy, but really enjoyed the hobby. So um, I had bunch of vampire count stuff and then yeah came back to the hobby with with more death and painted up about six thousand points of death um so that's sort of that's sort of where, where i'm at where i love i'm very very into uh soul blight legion of blood vampire stuff blood knights are my all-time favorite unit in age of sigma i love them because you don't need to think too much you just buff them up and charge them in and uh they, they're great fun and i love the the aesthetic of um, of mounted vampires, which is fantastic, uh, and then I started a Zinch army. Back in the day, it was something that was always in the back of my mind. I love the models, and I love the uh, modeling possibility for Zinch. Uh, still haven't finished that arm army. Um, I painted maybe a unit of pink horrors and a couple of other things, and sort of go back to it every now and then in between projects but uh 2018 uh i committed to cancon and i wanted to do for my first cancon and i wanted to do a specific army for that had a bunch of bretonian knights floating around and also like the look of sylvaneth and i thought how can i combine the two so came up with a, a whole backstory and painted up a bunch of bretonian stuff to fit in with the sylvaneth sylvaneth aesthetic so uh, I've got that Mixed Order Army, which I really enjoy playing with, and then Mixed Destruction for this year's CanCon, which is my third and a half army. Fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember that um, the Sylvaneth Bretonians uh, from last year, they were amazing too. Like, did you got, you got, a, um, got some um, recognition for that as well, didn't you? Was it yeah, it was runner-up coolest army again. Always the bridesmaid. Always the bridesmaid. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. No, nah, absolutely. That. Look, second second best out of 220-odd, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I remember you made, like, this Wardroth beetle just out of resin, like, out of your, like, scratch-built resin Wardroth beetle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, it's like water I, elemental kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It was It was part, partly me being a cheapskate because I got the just the Alarial model without the beetle quite cheaply. Uh, and I didn't necessarily want to pay for the for the whole kit, but also I love the idea that she was like summoning a yeah a, a water elemental or a water beast out of the out of the the swampy lake around her. Uh, so yeah, I, I uh, sculpted it, uh, partly sculpted it, partly used bits of the arachnorock spider, uh, and uh, yeah, cast it all in clear resin, and and yeah, came up pretty nice. It was a sight to behold, <laughs> definitely. Hey, um, so, so like, I love Britannians as well. Like, Britannians is like my first, one of my first armies. Um, yeah. My first proper fully painted army. So, like, I just, yeah, I love seeing them being reinvented for Age of Sigmar in that really cool kind of, um, the RFD, like the, the Silver yeah. Free People's kind of 
Um, were they ba they were based in Giran, were they? They were, yeah. They were based in Giran, and um, the the idea. Do you want the story? Yes, yes. The idea is that they were a um, a, a combat unit from Greywater Fastness uh, heading over to one of the realm gates nearby, and they had to cross through the uh, marsh that's that's. Uh, around Greywater Fastness, and they come, came across Alariel, and Alariel is um, the daughter of the Lady of the Lake in the old yeah. world. Yep. And I thought she's got to think about that, you know. She's got to at some point she's got to remember. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, my mum my was this uh, worshipped goddess by by this group of people, and so you know these these free people uh, came across Alariel while she was meditating on, on this idea of Britonia and the old world and Ilariel thought she would have a little bit of fun with them and transported them or, or transformed them into Britonia-esque uh, warriors. And so all the, all the stuff, I tried to make it look like it was made out of natural material. So the barding on the horses, I sculpted like little leaves in the corner and gave it, you know, very sort of leaf litter type texture to get across the idea that she's she's made this barding out of all the stuff that's around her and you know all the all the banners are natural and leafy and yeah just wanted to to create that idea that Alariel's transformed these free people into uh Bretoni-esque beings so like springing from her memories kind of thing in a way yeah absolutely okay. absolutely yeah. yeah i often wondered like uh where where did the the grail knights go you know they yeah. must have well, they must have gone somewhere. Like it must have been the, must have been the realm of Garan, the Jade Kingdoms. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the ones that didn't get um, you know, corrupted by Nurgle. Yeah, yeah. In times, yeah, cool. All right, man. So, so you, um, um, yeah. so you came, you came off a, a second place, coolest army at yep. KangCon twenty nineteen. Correct. Um. So then, at what point did you decide? Okay, I want to enter. Cancon twenty twenty coolest army and I want to do a whole new army. Um like what point did you decide, right, that's what I'm gonna do? And then yeah. when did you come up with your theme? Because it's a sure. pretty it's a pretty awesome concept. And then kind of how long I guess did it take you to to put it all together? Sure. Uh so it was about halfway through twenty nineteen. I, I wasn't going to do Cancon this year. Uh my wife and I had talked about maybe every two years and uh, I was happy with that. But um, sort of, uh, uh, yeah, about, about halfway through last year, I sort of got the bug and uh, I had an idea. I wanted to do a destruction army so that, you know, when I finally eventually finish my zinch, I've got an army from each Grand Alliance. Um, and uh, I had the Gargant kit, uh, Ale Guzzler Gargant kit, which uh, I really was looking forward to building and converting because, like, there's just so many possibilities, so many great things that can come out of that kit. And I thought, well, you know, why not have the ale guzzler actually drinking um, ale? And so that was sort of the basis of the conversion. And then, you know, I, I decided that um, I wanted to sort of build out and flesh out that theme and, and um, make him a little bit piratical uh, because, you know, who, who drinks rum by the barrel full it's got to be a, a pirate right and um i love the idea that there's you know a, a destruction pirate ship somewhere out there where you know these 
group of random maniacs uh, confined together in this small or small space, but somehow they make it work to smash as many skulls as they possibly can. Um, and, and I love the idea that there's all these little grots sort of running around doing the hard work because, you know, how are you going to get order in a pirate ship if you're trying to force people that don't want to be forced to do things? So you just get the, the little grots to do it. And so, you know, I'll put a bunch of little grots, put, um, you know, around and, and that kind of stuff. And I thought I could flesh it out into an actual army. And I still wasn't committed to CanCon at that point. Uh, but then Vince Venturella uh, committed to CanCon and was running the classes and that kind of stuff. And um, and I said to my wife, look, Vince is, Vince is coming down. I've got an idea. Blake Kerwick, who beat me last year, is not going to be there. Um, um, uh, what do you say? And so, um, yeah, so... It was probably about three months before CanCon that I actually fully committed to it. So it was a fairly short time frame. Wow. Um, I had, excuse me, I had the Gargan done and uh, ready to go. Excuse me. And, um, yeah, so I, I just launched straight into it. And originally the army was going to be lots and lots and lots and lots of pirate orcs and a few other cool things. Um, and I built 20 and I'm like, I just do not have time to do any, any more. Um, so I've got, um, yeah, 20 pirate orcs running around and I wanted to have a merworm right from the start because I loved the idea that there was a, um, a, a, a sea monster that allied with this this group of pirates and, and came into to battle i thought it, it would be an interesting idea as i was fleshing the the ideas out that uh this this merworm actually has a, a romantic attachment with the ship um and she's um she's sort of yeah romantically into this this pirate ship and uh follows it around everywhere and then is coaxed into battle uh by, by the pirates i thought that was a really cool idea so um wanted to do that and uh, just sort of running through all the the units and stuff that I could could run with in my head, and there's just some, like it's a 13 drop army uh, with 12 different unit types. It was just one of those armies where I'm like, there's so much cool stuff here that I want to do. How much can I just pack in? Um, <laughs> and my favorite unit out of all those was the the guys on the ropes. Orcs yeah. The ropes. Yeah. No. Yeah. So so I had that idea because. I wasn't going to do a whole unit of them. Uh, I was just thinking different ways that I could make each individual model, you know, different and unique and telling a story. And, you know, I've got lots of them. So, so how many different ways can I do it? Because one of the goals that I set for myself for this army, uh, there are two goals. I wanted to get better at sculpting and I wanted to make sure that every single model was telling a story, that there was some kind of narrative with every single model. And so, you know, I thought, well, I mean, Pirates Swing on Ropes, I can throw that in. But I wasn't quite sure how it would look, you know, whether it would just be kind of silly with this rope leading off to nowhere. And so I threw it out on a, a bunch of groups and out on Twitter and uh, Danny Carroll, who, uh, who who beat me for Coolest Army this year, well-deserved, of course, um, but, but he said, no, nah, it looks great. And he had his... Um, some of his KO guys doing the same thing, sliding down. He just used paper clips, um, sliding down ropes. 
or the zip lines he, he was using and, uh, and and they look rad. So I built a, a test model. Uh, it's fuse wire that I've twi twisted together, three strands of fuse wire twisted together to make the rope. And yeah, it looked really, really cool. Absolutely. I think um, they just, they were so dynamic, like so much movement in them. Like I just, yeah, they were, it's real just a joy just to look at, man. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks. They were a bit of work um, getting getting poses right. Some were okay. Some I could just drill a hole through the hand and stick the rope in. But there's one guy who's like swinging right out and his legs are right out in front of him. I had to re-sculpt his, uh, basically from his knee down to his foot uh, to, to get the right angle. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that I had to do a lot of reposing to get that those sort of dynamic poses but uh yeah i, I think it paid off I, I think they're cool yeah and one thing yeah, i noticed wow. like you had like um what were your objective markers were they all piles of gold yeah so i um i got <laughs> it's just a terrain crate you know one of those terrain crate kits which is like yeah. a treasury or something and yeah, um <laughs> I, I wanted to put them in my display board as well and it was last minute because last year i made uh, a bunch of custom objective markers and I was going to do that again this year I was going to have like uh, you know a grot leading someone like a, a free guild person off a um or like walking the plank and I was going to have you know a guy cutting treasure around and all this kind of stuff but I just ran out of time and um and so I thought well what can I use as good objective markers what better than piles of gold that's what that's what pirates want right they want that booty <laughs> Yeah, that's such a um, yeah good them thematic uh, thing for the army. But they're that's they're really cool kits. Those um, terrain crates, aren't they? Yeah, um, Mantic. Mantic, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are cool. Um, there's uh, yeah, I got one for like barrels and crates and that kind of stuff to to amp up my display board and um, yeah, there's some cool stuff. Yeah, cool. Just yeah, want wow. to go through for people who haven't seen the army, like um, all the different units in the army and um sure so i had my four heroes uh oric warbur uh warboss on wyvern which was converted from a lord of the rings fell beast it's got a star drake head and um, did a bunch of sculpting and stuff on it to get it nice and tight and then a warboss uh, on boar, but he's not actually on a boar. Uh, my, my story behind that is that he's got like a little bat squig, which I converted out of a blue horror. He's got a bat squig on his shoulder. And so that's where the, the extra attack, attacks come from. And in terms of the speed, he's just been working on his cardio. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, warboss um, on boar and then a butcher, uh, which, you know, every pirate ship needs its, its, its cook. So I converted the butcher up to be a cook and uh, sculpted an apron and a chef's hat on him and, um, gave him like a, a bowl I made out of a gut plate, which is like a fish stew. There's like some fish heads and stuff floating around in there. And then the old uh, halfling cook model from the um, hot pot yes. uh, kit, um, I converted that into a goblin or a grot. So I you know, sculpted out his ears and his nose and painted him green. And he, he fits the part pretty well, I reckon. As like a, a chef's assistant. And then I had a loon boss with giant cave squig. So the loon boss is the ship's bosun. So he's in charge of all the, the repairs and that kind of stuff. So he's carrying around uh, a bunch of tools. And then his, his squig uh, has a, like a, a tool bag 
that's bolted into his skin and he's, uh, he's carrying around a giant hammer in his teeth. Um, and then two units of 10 savage oryx, um, a unit of three ogres, uh, ogre gluttons, which I converted up with um, the pistols from the Mournfang kit. And um, one of them ha is like two-handing a giant anchor. And then I, I painted uh, free-handed treasure maps tattooed on, onto their backs. Yeah. So they've got, um, you know, treasure maps ta tattooed on their backs, which I thought was a cool touch. And then I have a iron blaster and a grot scrap, scrap launcher because, of course, every pirate ship needs big artillery. Um, I have a three fellwater trogos, ale guzzler gargant, which I've talked about. Um, well, oh, uh, four lead belches, which I converted from orc knobs, 40k orc knobs. And um, there's one more unit, uh, the merworm. Yeah, so, so 12 different units there. The lead belches are probably my favorite unit. Uh, I really, really like them. I think there's there's lots and lots of character there. Um, so I, I, I made one, he's firing a grot, and the grot has his fingers in his ears uh, as he's being fired out. And there's, um, and there's you know, one who's um, swinging, there's a grot swinging from a banner, like a, it's a, um, like an animal skull or something with a little wick to, to light the iron blaster. And um, there's one, where the guy's got the the gun like strapped to his shoulder and he's got two giant blades so uh you know he doesn't he doesn't need to hold the gun he can he can shoot and chop things at once um i thought they came out really nice <laughs> man they're, they're awesome spectacular <laughs> i want to see them again have you got um have you got somewhere we can that people can go to to, to look at your art with this army yeah, all my stuff is on Twitter. Um, yeah. There's a, a video I posted quite recently, a couple of days ago. I thought I don't actually have a decent video of the of the whole thing set up as it was because, you know, I, I had hadn't quite got it finished by the time I was going to CanCon. I was doing doing some last minute painting the day before when I was in Canberra, so I didn't have photos of it all set up. Yeah. Uh, so 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 I set it up the other day and. Uh, took a took a video and put some some piratey music over the top of it. So uh, that's all there on Twitter and all my work in progress and and all my shots and stuff, uh, which is I am at the Aussie Wargamer. Thank you very much. I'll be checking those out again tonight. I think because yeah, just listening to you um, describe it all again's got got me excited. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's such a character for Lamy. Like I, I watched that video you put up, and everyone should definitely check it out. It's um. It really is incredible how much work Tim put into converting every single model to fill it with character. Um, and like even just the Merworm, it's not like that's not just the Forge World Merworm kit. That's a custom made Merworm. Um, I mean, Tim, how many how many different kits did you use just for that model? So the body is like a Pathfinder Green Dragon. Uh, the tail is from the Arkelian King, the Adneth Arkelian King. Uh, the head and dorsal fin are from the Troglodon. Um, it's got two, I don't know what type of fins they are, the two side fins, they're uh, dactyl tails. And then I've, uh, a bunch of stuff on the base is from the uh, Gloomtide Shipwreck. 
And then I sculpted in a heap of scales and did a lot of smoothing and cleaning and that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, with something like that, are they? did you go, this is what I want, and you went out and bought all of those kits to make one model? Or is it something where you have most of those models already and you've got a big spare bits box? Or yeah. is there is there somewhere you go to buy specific parts? Like, what's your kind of sure. process for planning out sure. a big conversion like that? So both of those things so for the merworm i had a very clear picture in my mind as to what i wanted it to look like and i wanted it to be very sea monster-esque and i wanted it to look like it was swimming through the ocean so i wanted to base it differently to the rest of the army i wanted it to look like it was swimming through the ocean and so i went out and tried to find the base of the model that, that's where it really started like what's what could work as the base of the model and I, I looked at the carnosaur and that kind of stuff i just couldn't find anything in games workshops range that sort of fit what i what i wanted and then um was having a look around some other hobby shops and that kind of stuff online and and came across this green dragon which is a pathfinder miniature and and it was perfect it was just the perfect body for what i wanted it was perfect pose uh and just had that sort of long flowing um, uh, pose that I was really after. And then I jumped on um, jumped on a Facebook um, Warhammer buy sell swap group and just saw tried to see what was out there. I wanted yeah, I wanted bits from the Arkelian King, I wanted that tail and I wanted the the troglodon head uh, and I was toying with the idea of the dorsal fin as well. And so uh, got those bits from a yeah from that Facebook group, and then I didn't even think about those side fins until a mate of mine was like, "Oh, I've got a heap of bits that I'm going to take up to uh, to Cancon and and uh, sell up there." But if you want to look through them first, and I came across these ripodactyl tails, and I'm like, "These are awesome! They they look just like fins," and uh, and so so I nabbed those and 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 put them on. Um, but yeah, when I'm approaching a conversion, I usually have an idea in my head of what I want it to look like, and then I'll go find the bits either from my bits box or online or whatever to do that. So for the Iron Blaster, um, I didn't want to have the Rhinox in either the Iron Blaster or the Scrap Launcher because I just thought rhinoxes don't belong on a pirate ship you know uh, it just it seems so impractical to have this big beast that they need to feed on top of uh you know an, an army of hungry destruction uh, soldiers or warriors um so how am i gonna how am i gonna pull it off without without a rhinox and so for the iron blaster i thought it'd be a cool idea if there was a orc holding it and the story behind it is that it's like an, an initiation for people wanting to join or orcs wanting to join the crew. Like, you know, you've got to carry the Iron Blaster into battle to prove that you're you're worth chasing the big wire with us. And so I've still got the still got the ogre who's holding it. And then yeah, there's an orc which I converted from the Warhammer Underworlds um Iron Skulls Boys, I think they're called. Um, converted from from one of those guys. And then, uh, the, yeah, the scrap launcher was, was very similar. Um, 
how can I make it work? So I've got a guy who's like dragging it along. And yeah, so, so I'll ha have that vision in my head, what I, what I want, what fits the narrative, what, you know, what will work in the army, and then find bits and stuff that will work to there. But then there are some things where I'm just flicking through like the, like the fins for the merworm. I'm just looking at, looking at bits, um, particularly like a lot of the smaller details. So the, the bigger model, I'll definitely find what I want, but a lot of the smaller details, I've got my bits box very well sorted. It's all in the like the fishing tackle um, craft boxes, you know, with the little sections that you can get fairly cheaply. I've got about 12 of those um, and everything's just all sorted nicely because I do a lot of conversion. So I need to be able to find bits that I want without spending hours sifting through um, mixed, mixed up bits boxes. And so, yeah, so I'll be like, you know, what, what can we do to add flavor to this, to this thing? And I'll, I'll, I'll sift through my bits box and, and, and find things there. With your bits box, like, um, do you, when you get a kit and you finish building the model or whatever, and then do you, like, do you snip off all the bits and put it into a bit box or do you have stuff on sprues kind of, or it's like, I tend to, I went, I undertook this little project a little while ago where I went through all my all my spare parts and whatever, all my bits, and a lot of it was still on the sprues. So I just yeah. took the time just to go through and snip them all off and kind of put them into little baggies, like correlated into each kit for that reason, like yeah. to easily find things. Is that, so? do you do a similar sort of thing? Or yeah, ab absolutely. I've got, uh, I haven't done it with my Destruction Army yet. I've got about six or seven, um, like, Games Workshop boxes with Orc Boys and, Savage Boar Boys and Savage Oryx and, you know, all sorts of different things that are still on sprue. Uh, but eventually I'll go down and buy a bunch more uh, little, you know, little compartment containers and snip them all off and, and sort them out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just find it so much easier because it also helps you to know what you have. Yeah. Um, it just makes it so much easier when you're trying to find bits for, for conversions and stuff. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, um, do we'll take a, a quick little break there, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll keep talking hobby. Sure. Welcome back to the Mortally Wounded Podcast. I'm your host, Aussie Wargamer, and here with me is uh, my good friend, James. And Chris, how are we doing today, gents? <laughs> yeah, doing pretty good. Thanks, Tim. It's uh, great to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So um, this is our hobby highlight. Uh, I know, James, you're working on some some good hobby stuff at, at the moment. Just thought we'd, uh, we'd have a chat about that. Um, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've been I've been like fully like ever since the dwellers dropped their um uh, the the between worlds uh, 
you know, event that they're going to run in May this year. I've just like I just got just got my hobby juices flowing. Like I was originally going to start like a brand new army, like a KO. I was thinking about actually starting to do a KO army and just do like a really grimy, um, sort of really super um, kind of weathered, rusty kind of army. And um, yeah, try. yeah. So that was the idea because I've had been getting into this um, this guy uh, online. Uh, does the, this thing called the Grim Dark Compendium, and uh, so he uses lots of, lots of like oil paints, enamels, um, sure. things like that, like different yeah, sort yeah. Of paints and mediums. So I hadn't really explored before because I really felt like it kind of plateaued in my own hobby. Like I was kind of I've been painting death for so long in a certain color scheme and a certain style that. I was wanting to kind of try new things, but I couldn't really venture too far away from it. Otherwise it would, wouldn't match with my army kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I thought I'll start a brand new army, new year, new army, all that sort of jazz. And then they, they dropped the, the narrative event. And, um, when I heard about the Titan, so everyone has to, uh, build or con- convert a massive Titan model. And, um, there's this giant skeleton model from, um, Mercia miniatures. Yeah, it's got like a howder on the back with skeletons nice. standing on it, like you know, with bows and arrows, and chain mail. It's this giant skeleton with a massive axe and a and a, like a lantern, and mm. so this hood is like it's like a giant skeletal kind of thing. <laughs> but I was like, nice. I want to paint that model. Like I'd, I'd seen it before, and I, but I thought, you know, I'll never, like, I'll, I'll I'll get it one day just to paint for you know just for the, the hell of it one day, but um, not just yet. And then when this came up, it was like, yeah, perfect opportunity to get that model. And yeah. start a new. So I thought, well, if I'm getting a, another death model, I have to do another death army. <laughs> so it became like New Year, new death army <laughs> instead. So nice, nice. Um, yeah, and I just really got into the tutorials on the Grim Dark Compendium, yep. and um, did a t- uh, test model with a um, with a Knight of Shrouds, um, and yeah, just like that was real heavily like used a lot of um, like Absalon five hundred two. Um, oil paints so like yeah. oil washes and like sort of you new, your um ideas about how to approach painting a model like with um like getting um cotton tips or q-tips um and mineral spirits and like so you cover the model with the, with the oil wash like sort of thin down mm. oil wash and then you kind of um you kind of wipe it back with the, the q-tip to so like kind of reverse highlighting yeah then, yeah yeah so you, i've just kind of been getting my head around some of those sorts of techniques using these uh, new paints and stuff and you know he obviously he uses enamel paints like AK interactive enamel mm-hmm. paints and to get different effects and stuff like that so um yeah i was i've just really just been engrossed in all that kind of stuff and just going out a complete new limb trying new things and um hopefully i pull it off so i'm painting a whole new death army for um for between the worlds uh, dwellers narrative event and all of about 90% of the models, probably 95% of the models, um, are all third party miniatures as well. So, mm. uh, it's all got these some zombie models, uh, from Fireforge games, which have come fairly recently. Um, they're rad minis, those Fireforge zombies, yeah. they're so oh, good, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I've got like they've got like uh, zombie soldiers, uh, so dudes have just been cut up in battle and have just you know got back up again and just fighting again. and um there's a whole range of like peasants as well yeah. Uh, so yeah the idea is to have a real big zombie peasant unit and um so i'll just give you a little bit of background about the army that i'm building it's uh it's i got inspired from reading uh lord of undeath which is 
kind of about the time in Shaiish uh, when the Gash was still kind of slumbering after he was defeated by Archaon, like at the um, four points or eight points back in uh, the towards the end of the Age of Myth, I believe it was, with the Great Betrayal with Sigma and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah. So the in the northern northern wastelands of Shaiish, there are sort of a confederacy of uh, clans called overarching name is like called the um, the clans Rictus. And so it's living people, living um, human <laughs> humans, uh, denizens or citizens of Shaiish uh, in this cl in these clans. And uh, the whole thing with them is they the living fight alongside their their ancestors in battle. So to kind of represent that on the battlefield, I wanted to have like a, like living units in my undead army. So <clears throat> I'll be having like a unit of um, you know, living. Uh, Graveguard, which will be using the um, Fireforge uh, North, like Northman Warriors kits, and then to complement that, there'll be like an, an undead or army of uh, sorry, undead unit of um, of Graveguard, which are the sort of uh, newly resurrected or recently resurrected um, Graveguard. So it's like zombie Graveguard. They're still they're still quite fresh enough, mm -hmm. uh, but they've been down long enough. But you know, kind of like the leaders of the this particular clan are uh, very powerful necromancers, so they can still uh, they, they can put a lot of energy, a lot of sort of uh, prowess into their into their resurrected um, cadavers. So, so I've sought approval for it. So yeah, I've I've, I've got a like a zombie graveguard unit, a living graveguard unit, and the idea is to have a massive sort of blob of, of peasant zombies. Uh, I've got some black knights I'm painting up, which are from Game Zone miniatures. Uh, they're mournful knights. They're, they're quite a challenge at the moment because they're the old sort of metal sort of mm. style of miniature. So it's a, a bigger, a bigger challenge. It's like there's a lot of detail on it. It's kind of almost kind of like messy, like with some yeah. of the, the molding and stuff like that. So it's kind of been sort of fighting through that a bit. But um, I think they'll turn out. I think they'll be okay in the end. But um, beyond that, uh, some cool um, vampires and a, and a new necromancer to paint, and that's from Fireforge and. The um the vampires are from um, Karol Rudik, which is a Polish sculptor, um, and so it's like kind of like a little Nosferatu looking uh, vampires that he he sculpted and he's got out there. So um, thinking about putting one of them on top of a um, Bloodseeker palanquin. Yes, I've got like a second Mortis engine I had in the wings um, for my Legion of Grief army, so I've decided to uh, maybe I'll just. You know, finish that one off as a Bloodseeker Palanquin because you know, I don't think I've ever actually seen one on the table in my own, own gaming and I've never thought I'd I'd build one but I thought being a narrative event and it's such a like like the, the, the dude I will put on there as the, as the Sanguine Arc is so cool so I was thinking I'll put him on there and I'll run a, a, a Bloodseeker Palanquin so that'll be probably the most GW model out of out of the whole army kind of thing nice yeah but anyway um, this is not about me, this show. <laughs> so that was the segue into um, coming back from the break. So, Tim, thanks for joining us. All good. All good. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, moving along. Um, so, one thing that we've asked uh, previous, um, previous highlight um, uh, guests is, uh, so what informs your hobby? So, is it... The gaming side that draws you in is it the lists, the lore, the models, um, the hobby side? Like I think 
from what I'm gathering, what you've been talking about tonight, it's very much lore, hobby, models, and then does uh, what is that? Would I be correct in saying that, or is there kind of some underlying? Yeah, is, is, yeah. There a, is there a secret filth master at the bottom? <laughs> at the bottom of all this? No, there is definitely <laughs> not a secret filth master. Um, I I do all right here at the here at the club. But um, against anything that is anywhere near competitive, yeah, that's not uh, that's that's not where I put my time or energy. Um, having said that, uh, there's nothing like a good game of Age of Sigmar or whatever it is to inspire some hobby. Um, games like Mordheim, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but did you guys ever play Mordheim? I never played it. I haven't. But... No. Oh man, every time I played that game, I just wanted to make something new for it. Like it, is it? And the reason why is because it's such a narrative driven game. Yeah, Yeah, the the story just progresses so well uh, from from game to game. But yeah, I I think you're right. I think um, I will have an idea for a model or a unit or an army or whatever based on stuff that I've read about or, or ideas that, that have just popped into my head. Uh, and it's all about what I want to build and paint and what I think will be cool. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a model. Sometimes I'll be looking through and I'm like, yeah, I'd really like to do that model. The list, look, the list of armies and, and models and things that I would love to get around to one day, there is no way that I would ever have time to do it in my lifetime. Like, there's just yeah. so much good stuff out there that I want to want to do. Um, and often I'll need to file away those ideas so I don't get too excited about them. Like, oh, I've got this really cool idea. And if I don't sort of organize my thoughts and file it away, then, yeah, I'd, I'd just be sitting on, you know, 12 unfinished projects because I'd move on to my next cool idea. Uh, a little while ago I had a really cool idea that it'd be awesome to do a Flesh Eater Coats army where half of the model is reality and half of the model is the um, is the delusion. And yep. so, you know, you sort of cut the model in half and do Bretonian on one side and flesh. And I made I made a model for it. I'm like, look, this That's model would take, yeah. this army would take me five years to do. Like, it's really, it would be really hard. But it's a cool idea and I might get to it one day, but it's just sort of filed away, tucked away in the, in, in those, those cool ideas. So, my first love in the hobby is is converting. I, I love cutting up models. I love figuring out ways of creating new things out of existing things, and and you know making them characterful and and interesting and unique. I love the idea that everything that I put on the table is something that my opponent has never seen before, unless of course they've played that uh, my army before. Um, so yeah, so it's always about what cool stuff can I make? Uh, and yeah, as I said, those ideas can come from, from from narrative or from just looking at a model or a particular theme or idea that I might have. I don't know if that answered the original question, but... Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, um, so this, like, you've got an infectious enthusiasm for the hobby and, um, like, does this creativity uh, spill into other areas of your life? Like, are you, like... Of converting stuff all around the house. And, <laughs> and like, how does it, um, does it spill 
talking about things every day, like because I feel like this is like a fountain in, in you that's just you know this sure. is just a thing like like yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'm a high school teacher and I teach art and I teach woodwork. Uh, so there, there are a lot of other uh, creative outlets there. I actually had, last year I uh, had my first gallery show um, for, for art, which uh, was fantastic. It's something that I've been working toward for, for 10 years. Um, so so having, a, having a gallery show was, was fantastic. Um, Is that from um, like woodworking? Um, no, it's it's fine art. Um, so I do um, mostly charcoal, mostly portraits, um, okay, yeah. but sort of a bit of whatever I can. I did a project uh, about five years ago called Fifty Two Joeys, where I did a portrait of Joey Ramone every week in a different medium for a year. Um, so the the idea was to explore how many different ways you could make art uh and that was that was lots of fun um, there was me thinking you were going to say 52 baby kangaroos but no <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so no you, well yeah so being like you like we didn't mention it before but your display uh treasure chest for the mm -hmm. army um did you build that yourself i did i did oh, wow. um yeah, when I was thinking about the display and because it's no secret that I was going for Coolest Army, like that's what I was really pushing for. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was thinking about the, the display and how I could push it further. I knew I wanted to do a pirate ship because it's just pirates, you've got to do a pirate ship. And I yeah. uh, just wanted to, to push it that big, bit further and I thought, why not dress the whole thing up in a giant treasure chest, yeah. uh, which was a lot of fun to build um, and I was able to build it alongside my, my students for, for some of it anyway, um, where you know, I could show them different different techniques and stuff as they were, they were doing their jobs. Yeah. So killing two birds with one, one stone there, t teaching and doing my hobby. Um, Get the kids to build it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I like the idea that you could see not just on top of the ship, but a little bit of in the ship as well. And so I had the drawers. There's a, a drawer coming out the front that uh, where the, the trogoths live, and that's like their their little dank hold in the, 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 the bottom bowels of the ship. And then there's a, a drawer that comes out, which is like outside the ship, and that's where the merworm is, is swimming along. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was good, good fun to build. It was an absolute pain to uh, to get it to Cancun though, because originally I was flying down, and uh, they wouldn't let me take it on the plane. It's too too big to uh, go on the plane, and uh, it was going to be too expensive to courier it down, and no one was sort of had space to drive it down for me. So in the end, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to drive down. How long does it take to drive from Moree? Uh, it's about uh, eight and a half hours in the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but well worth it. Absolutely. You, yeah. On your own? Yeah, I was on, I was on my own this year. We uh, went down as a family uh, last year. Yep. And that was good fun. Spent the week before CanCon uh, just doing the, the family holiday in, in Canberra. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I, I obviously I love 
going places with my family, but it was nice being by myself this time because when your family is there, you feel like you need to go home, like you feel like you need to go back to them. Um, yeah. But this time, yeah, I could just be like, all right, let's let's hang out and talk hobby until one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, did that a bit too much. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you you clearly have big visions when you kind of think of a new army project and you're obviously able to pull it together very quickly if you said that you managed to do your entire cancom project in earnest in kind of three months i thought you were going to say a lot longer to be honest um it's kind of making me feel shameful that i'm worried about getting my small <laughs> project for dwellers event done in that same time frame um do you do you sketch things out in a notebook or do you kind of just go, nah, this is the idea I've got in my head. I'm pretty sure it's going to work and just generally find that either things work first time or do you find you go through kind of several iterations of whether it's a conversion or a paint scheme um, or do you just kind of go, well, that's how it turned out. That's fine. I'll just make it work sort of thing to save time. Yeah, sure. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, and I just want to preface the fact that the six weeks before CanCon, I was on school holidays and I was probably putting in um, six hour days on the hobby. So uh, I was pushing it hard. Like it was, yeah, it was not a, not an easy three months. And um, I, I've said to myself, I'm, I'm not doing it this year. Um, I, I'm, I'll probably start a new army this year, but I'm not painting a new army this year because I was just exhausted. By the time CanCon came around, uh, I'd, I'd, yeah, just pushed myself probably a little bit too far and a little bit too hard trying to trying to get it done. But, um, yeah, to, to answer your question, almost always I have a very clear idea in my head as to what I want the model to look like. Um, I, I do sketch things out sometimes. Uh, the swinging orcs, I, I sketched out a little bit just to, to play around with the ideas. Um, my iron blaster, I sketched out. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, th there are a few things that, that I do, but generally I've got a very clear picture in my head. I'll go hunting for bits and then I always, always, always dry fit everything um, before I glue. Um, blue tack is amazing. Uh, blue, blue tack, aside from you know my paintbrush and my my hobby knife, blue tack is probably the the thing that I use most in my hobby. Uh, I just I blue tack everything together before before I glue it, just so I can get poses right and positions and make sure this bit will fit in this bit with this bit in at that angle and that kind of stuff and so i'll get i'll get my bits together i'll, I'll cut stuff up i'll blue tack it together figure out if it'll work um play around with it that way so essentially i guess that is my sketching out is just all those dry fits and and uh, arranging things in the way i want them sometimes i sometimes i get it right the first time sometimes it takes me a few goes sometimes i don't think i get it right at all like my loon boss with cave squig um I, it came out okay and a lot of people think you know would say that it's it's fantastic but i just i don't think i quite nailed the composition it wasn't things weren't quite on the base where i wanted them to be and it just didn't quite uh sort of sort of work so sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but uh yeah that's that's generally what will happen uh vision in my head find the models, dry fit it all together, and then go from there. 
Have you built a lot of terrain as well? Like, yeah, um, for, the, not, for the local gaming group or at home, whatever. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I've got four, four or five tables of terrain here that that I've built. Um, I tend to find if I'm spending time hobbying, I want it to be on miniatures, but I do build terrain and I am going to do some terrain for the, the dwellers guys. Um, oh, really looking forward to that. I, I enjoy building terrain. I really like it um, because you can, you can work on a whole different set of skills when you're, when you're doing terrain um, and you can be messy and you can be, um, uh, yeah, creative and and uh, it's good fun. Um, but yeah, I think generally I'd probably prefer to be working with with minis. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice. You ever go as, through? Um, as a, I was just going to ask. As a as a teacher, you obviously mentioned that you spent some of your time in your woodworking lessons, kind of teaching <laughs> teaching your students whilst building your project. Do yeah. you? Have you, do you, or have you considered um, kind of trying to start or run some kind of wargaming um, or miniatures painting kind of group or extracurricular kind of club at, at the school or anything like that? Just curious. Yeah, it's been running through the back of my head. We've, we've got a, a couple of kids who are sort of are interested in the hobby and uh, we've got one guy who plays, his, uh, his dad comes to our club. Um, uh, I, haven't, I haven't done anything yet. The main issue is that uh, as it is with just about everything is time. Like when I'm at school, I don't have a huge amount of time, even during breaks, to be able to uh, to be able to, to spend doing that. But uh, it's something, yeah, definitely something that I'd like to do. Um, there's a bunch of, bunch of kids who have talked to me about um, RPGs and maybe doing an RPG campaign uh, at school. So, so that's another thing that's sort of there but hasn't been realised yet. So, yeah. yeah. So being, um, being a man from Moree, you're talking about the club up there. Like, how mm -hmm. do you find, um, yeah, like how, how you sort of, for people who are listening to the podcast, so I know that I know we do have some some regional listeners. What would be some advice you might offer to to the guys out there, like um, who might feel like they're a bit on their own in the in the in the country towns? And yeah. I'm kind of asking for myself as well because I'm looking at buying it um, in Goulburn um, very yeah. soon. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, yeah, what what do you do? Like, you obviously sure. living in the the cities, like you know, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, Brisbane. Um, etc. Like it's very easy just to go down to your local and pick up a game with someone. Um, like, how do you kind of work around that in a in like a in the regional Australia? Sure. Uh, so we've got about ten people in our club. Uh, we've got um, a bunch of people play forty k, and a bunch of people are RPGs, and there's about four of us that have Age of Sigma stuff and, and play Age of Sigma from time to time. So um, the the biggest thing for me that I've found for growing the club is being open to new games. Uh, yep. So as soon as we started RPG campaigns, um, so we play Pathfinder at the moment, uh, we got another four or five guys coming to the club and then, you know, they can... They're, they're watching the 40k stuff and, and that kind of... So we, any given week, we'll have at least one tabletop war game and at least one RPG uh, running at the same time. Yeah. 
Um, uh, other than that, I would say be passionate and be persistent. Uh, so for probably about five months of the club's life, it was me and another mate playing wartime. Uh, and every week we'd get, we'd invite, invite people, whatever, but, but usually it was just he and I playing Mordheim and then, uh, slowly, uh, you know, some, some other people started to, to gain interest and that kind of stuff. And, you know, if someone new comes to your club, um, just, yeah, be, be passionate and be excited about what you're doing without being overwhelming, obviously, um, which which can be, be hard sometimes. Yeah, um, don't don't tell new players that a game is good. Don't say, "Oh, this game is so good, you're going to have so much fun." Yeah, Give yeah. them that experience. Give yeah. them a good experience. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think that's the main thing. Like, yeah, we, open yourself up to playing what other people want to play. And just be be passionate and be persistent. Start a YouTube channel as well. Could be another one. Yeah, none of my club members watch my watch my YouTube. Uh, maybe one or two did uh, from time to time, but uh, but no, nah, they, they they weren't interested in the Aussie War Gamer. It's all good. <laughs> so how the what gave the how the Aussie War War Gamer come about? Um, uh, I was. I just got into Age of Sigma, so and just got back into the, to the hobby. Uh, I'd finished an art project and I was looking for something to do, and I had the old Lamian vampire, not the one with the cat, uh, but the one with the snake wrapped around a wrist. I don't know if you guys remember that miniature, oh. but um, is that, yeah, is that a mounted one? On no, no, she, oh yeah, it was on foot and mounted, but this was the yeah. one on foot, and I had it sitting there on my desk, and I don't even know why. Um, but it was sitting there on my desk and I just finished another art project and I thought, you know what, I haven't painted a miniature for about 10 years. I'm going to give that a crack. And, uh, and, and I painted it up and then I looked in uh, to, you know, back into the world and everything was different. I'm like, what is going on? Because this is post-end times, this is Age of Sigma. I've stopped playing around 7th. Um, towards the end of 7th edition. So I had no idea about End Times. I had no idea about Age of Sigma. And then I just I, I fell down the rabbit hole uh, that night. I, I spent like four or five hours just reading um, everything I could about what this Age of Sigma was and what all the changes were and everything. And um, I just, yeah, really got back into it in a, in a really big way. And uh, no one uh, in Moree was playing at the time. Uh, but I had a friend in Armadale where my folks are uh, that was playing. So, you know, took a bunch of my old Vampire Count stuff down and, and, and we had a couple of games and just absolutely loved it. Um, and then discovered the community, that Australian Age of Sigma community. And I still enjoy comics, but I was big into the comic book community um, uh, a number of years ago. And coming into the Age of Sigma community, I realized just how toxic and horrible uh, that other community could be because the Australian Age of Sigma community is one of the um, nicest, encouraging, most welcome online communities I think I've ever been involved in. Uh, and yeah, so, so I got into the community and I felt like I had stuff to say. 
yeah. within the community. I felt like I had uh, uh, there was things that I wanted to say and I wanted a voice, even if it was just a whisper. Um, I wanted a voice in the community. And so I started the Aussie Wargamer and I started the Aussie Wargamer going into my first Age of Sigma tournament, which was uh, BrizzCon in 2018. Yep. Um, and uh, it started off just doing uh, topic of the week. Uh, so Vince Venturelli used to do topics of the week and uh, I'd, I'd do those and then I moved into sort of my tournament experience as a, a first-time tournament goer and uh, then sort of more into to hobby and then settled on uh, the format that I was running uh, pretty much all of last year, which was just this is what I've done in the, my hobby this is the games that I've been playing. This is what I've been thinking about everything, uh, sort of more blog style than yeah, yeah. Um, instructional or, or, or anything like that. Um, it's another outlet for your creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then um, towards, the, towards the end of last year, uh, I was really pushing myself for time, trying to get this army together. And I was, uh, you know, just, just feeling a little bit exhausted. And I, I, I felt like, um, I felt like I needed to just put YouTube aside for a while and, uh, and just do hobby for myself. Just, uh, just give it a break and, uh, and maybe, maybe come back to it later. So I've, I've given myself this year off. Not making not making any YouTube videos this year, uh, and then we'll see we'll see how we go in twenty twenty one whether I pick it back up or not. But um, yeah, I was having a lot of fun with it uh, until yeah probably about halfway through last year, and it just sort of started to become a bit of a chore and yeah. uh, trying trying to keep up with everything. So that's where I am on the Aussie Wargamer. And that's it, right? Like it's we do this for for fun and enjoyment, and you don't owe anybody anything so if you if you need to take a break for a while or stop completely if you're finding you're not yeah. enjoying it anymore then that's completely the right thing to do like you never i think everybody goes through burnout at, at some stage or another and i think you just have to remember what it is you love about the hobby and why you do it and just do that and if you inevitably do that for a bit and then find you know what, i really just want to start talking again then yeah. you start doing a show and then if you find nah I, I think I'm done for a bit then you stop again and and that's it and the people that want to listen will listen and the people that don't won't and that's and that's it but it's um yeah yeah I think it's really cool that you felt that you jumped in and you were like well I, I, I want to have a voice I want to just kind of express how I feel um and yeah that's that's great I think it's really good to have representatives from all over the country in terms of the hobby as well that give different aspects and i just want to touch on what you said about the um the online community being really friendly and and stuff like that and a comment you made earlier saying that you had been talking to danny carroll in the lead up to mm. um cancon um and he was saying about the the pirate orcs and the kind of swinging effect yeah, yeah. He'd, done a, he'd done a similar thing so obviously you said danny actually won that award so he's a he's a direct kind of competitor in that sense mm -hmm. to trying to win the award but you're obviously friendly you're, you're chatting to one another you were you kind of egging each other on and driving each other to do 
to do more. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And listening to listening to Denny, see, uh, I tend to post everything that I do on Twitter or uh, and you know, various places on Facebook. I like um, I like showing people my stuff, not necessarily for accolades or whatever, but you know, I, I like putting my stuff out there. Uh, Danny kept his stuff very, very close to his chest um, for, for this CanCon army. And it wasn't, you know, because he, you know, he wanted to win or anything like that. I think he just, uh, he, he felt like he had a, 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 and I'm sure Danny will listen and tell me that I'm completely wrong, but um, he, he uh, I think he just felt like he had something special and wanted to, to, to hold that until he could show it in its entirety. Uh, and you know, I, I completely respect that. But no, listening to him talking about his army, I was, I was talking to him in the lead up to CanCon and, and uh, in Canberra before CanCon. And then you know, when we seen each other's displays during CanCon and there was nothing but positivity. Like we both appreciate good hobby and we both recognise the 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 time and effort that people put into their hobby, and um, and you know we can we can encourage each other, and we can, I mean, he can because he won, but uh, no, we can yeah we can encourage each other and, and say you know give each other you know good feedback and be positive because. Um, we appreciate that hobby and we appreciate um, when people go to those lengths to, to, to do good hobby. Um, and the standard, like overall standards as well, like each year, CanCon after CanCon, like it just keeps getting bigger and better every year. Oh, like absolutely. In terms of the hobby level, like um, I know um, Anthony Magro's uh, display with the free peoples was absolutely phenomenal, like with the yeah. – with the, the walls and just how he had all the soldiers on the uh, the battlements and yeah. I think the part about that display was uh, the tunnel underneath all the skaven yeah with the skaven yeah, yeah. like it just really reminded me of like like years and years ago when I like I remember I think it was at Hobby Co in it at Queen Victoria building they used to have uh, dioramas on display in there like they actually had a big pirate ship in there at one point yeah and, you know like and you see it at um you know you see it at, at the Warhammer World it's kind of uh, you know, it's kind of like a reflection of all that kind of diorama hobby um, aspect. And yeah, mm. like I just remember seeing all those years ago, like little things like that, like skeletons coming through tunnels. And, yeah. and then to see that recreated again at, at CanCon was um, just, was fantastic. And it's just absolutely it's so good to see uh, that it's uh, it just, each year is just keeps getting bigger and better. And um, yeah, good to, to yeah. See. I really liked, um, <laughs> I really liked, uh, I think it's Luke Kellett, his Sylvaneth army that he used a lot of um, death models for. So he had a Tree Lord Ancient that was built on the gash. Um, and, oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was a very, very simple, muted color tone that just evoked so much, um, you know, so much emotion. It was very, um, yeah, it was very cold and uh, I thought it was beautiful. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Yeah. Any like any other um, any other like sort of uh, armies that you saw on display that you that you want to talk about? You'd like to. Um, I, I thought James Lynch's stuff, and he won he won best painted. I thought yeah. his oh, his phenomenal. his Slanesh stuff was really really good, uh, and in uh, just so inspiring too. Like I didn't 
go into the competition expecting to win anything but like any of the judges choice painting trophies I, I was going for coolest army that's what i was pushing for and especially since uh you know it was a, a fairly short time frame uh that i had putting that army together um but seeing his stuff and bringing home the bronze for um for uh judges choice i just thought i i can do it you know like i can I can paint an army, uh, given time, obviously, I can paint an army to, to this higher standard. Um, and it just, it, it really inspired me. And, and that's what I, that's my going to be my focus for this year. So no new army, I might start a new army, but I want to do some really intentional uh, painting practice uh, yeah. and, and really get better uh, at painting. Because I think I'm at a point now where I can do, uh, my CanCon level, and I can do my CanCon level fairly quickly. Um, yep. So I think th there's those levels of painting where you get to a certain level, and then you stay at that level for a while, but you get faster, you get quicker at that level, yeah. Yeah, um, and then you and then you know you, you push on to the next level, and, and so on. I think I'm ready uh, to push on to that that next level. Um, yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. exactly what I what I'm doing this year. Like um, exploring. Like I've got the airbrush. I've got um, the airbrush out for the first time. Like I've got put myself a spray booth and yeah. you know, all kind of stuff. Um, I've got my compressor from uh, from Aldi of all places <laughs> for like yeah. seventy bucks, and it, it yeah. runs like a champ. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I, mine wasn't from Aldi. I can't remember where it was from, but yeah, it was a seventy dollar compressor, and it's 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 uh, been my workhorse for like. Uh, the four years I think, I've, or three or four years, I've been I've been using it for various yeah. things. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, totally feel the same. Like, reached a plateau and yeah, doing stuff quicker and but just kind of getting, almost getting a bit bored with it and not yeah. feel like I'm growing. So, yeah, I've, I kind of but whenever like like when you ever do something, whenever you do something that's new and different, you're in that kind of unknown territory again. Yeah, kind of like in the great unknown. So you got to like it's a bit unnerving because you're used to being at a certain standard or level, and then you kind of got to be willing to accept and be prepared that it, what you're going to produce now is probably not going to be what you originally intend on. Yes, but yes. you know that through perseverance and practice and absolutely uh, sticking at it, you know you're going to get there, and you just got to stick at it. So don't get um, disheartened. <laughs> absolutely. But, um, yeah. yeah, and at the moment yeah yeah and when you look at when you look at you know award-winning armies uh don't fall into the trap of thinking they're so talented i'll never be that good <laughs> i'll never be that good um because they will tell you that they have spent hours and hours and hours yeah. year after year after year to get to that level um, it's just, it's all about that intentional practice. Um, yeah, uh, particularly for something like miniature painting. Now, obviously for some people, there might be physical barriers, but, uh, in, in general, um, you know, comp, uh, I think, uh, I'm not at competition standard, just want to point to put that out there, but I think competition a standard is achievable. You just have to work to it, work for it. Take on advice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Ask for advice. Like I've been finding, I've like I've been doing that a lot more lately when I've been posting online, just saying, "What do you think? You know, what do you guys reckon? Yeah. As how, does anyone have any ideas how I could do this better? Like I'm just trying to, like, just have that humility to 
kind of yeah just say hey i don't know everything <laughs> i need yeah. help here like I'm in, yeah. I'm in new territory like what do you what do you guys reckon kind of thing so yeah <laughs> oh, cool yeah so any yeah. other tidbits any other like kind of like general advice you'd like to give hobbyists out there um i don't know i don't think so like most people know those general things that will get them to the next level in their painting, like make sure you're thinning your paints and, um, and you know, that dedicated intentional practice, all that kind of stuff. I think just play, have fun. Um, yeah. I remember, I can't remember who made the video, but I remember watching a video that was about being brave in miniature painting taking the idea that there is very little that you can do to actually wreck a miniature. Um, and so take risks and be brave and play and have fun and make mistakes. And the more risks you take, um, the, the more you'll improve and the better you get, the more things you'll learn, the, um, you know, the, the amount of things that I've come across just by accident like just by messing around with a miniature or whatever. Yeah. Like the idea, I, I never taught, I was never taught, but the idea of using the edge of your brush rather than the point of your brush uh, when, when, when line hiding, well, yeah. when line highlighting, like yeah. I, I'd never been taught that and I just stumbled across it by accident. I'm like, oh yeah, like why that. wouldn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, you were you were chiming in before. Sorry, mate. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say. Okay, um, do you find that you're generally? I think I probably already know the answer to this. That a bit of a a lone wolf when it comes to your kind of army projects, or do you have someone or a group of people that's a sounding board that you use, or do you generally kind of once you've got an idea, you go, no, that's what I'm doing, and I'm doing it, um, and then following on from that what's been the best thing or other person that you would recommend for other people to go and check out that, that taught you something new if you look on youtube tutorials or anything like that sure. what's the kind of the main the best technique or something like that that you found from watching somebody else that helped you grow as a hobbyist and that could be painting or converting or anything that you would recommend to other people sure uh so first question uh, again, uh, I'm walking on the fence here and it's a bit of both. Uh, I am a lone wolf in the fact that um, I am in Moree and really I'm the only, uh, I won't say hobbyist, I'm the only passionate hobbyist. So other guys have their armies, they, they paint them, they get into them, that kind of stuff. I think I'm probably the only passionate hobbyist in the group, uh, in our group here, uh, but they love everyone loves seeing what i'm doing week to week and they'll 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 give me feedback there as well uh but as i said uh earlier i post everything online i post stuff on twitter um and in various groups on facebook uh and um yeah you can get some some great feedback from from our amazing community uh, by doing that I, I do wish people would give more good constructive feedback. I think a lot of people say, wow, that's amazing um, and leave it at that. Uh, I, th I would encourage anyone that follows me if 
uh, I post something uh, on Twitter and there's something that you want to comment on, uh, I, I would absolutely love it uh, because I don't think there's enough constructive crit criticism online. Um, perhaps criticism is not the right word, uh, but but maybe maybe advice or tips or tricks and that kind of stuff. If I post something online, it's because I want advice. It's not because I'm trying to show off my skills. Uh, it's because I want uh, and value feedback. Um, uh, good, worthwhile feedback. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that myself. Like you're scrolling through, looking at the work in progress Wednesdays and just going, yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome, yeah. that's cool. Like you just kind of, you want to be encouraging to people, but at the same time you really got to, like to really help someone, you got to really be able to, able to give some advice. If, if e Even if it's, yeah. It's touch and go sometimes, because some people don't, some, I guess some people, not everyone wants unsolicited yeah. advice but yeah like if you want it definitely put it out there and ask for it explicitly i think <laughs> yeah but even if it's um specific praise like not just that's a really oh, cool yeah. model but yeah. i really like the way that you have you know done that specific thing on the model. i really like the way uh that that, that you've highlighted the flesh on that i think it, it works really well um uh, it, it's just, yeah, so beneficial to, to, to get that feedback. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then, uh, sorry, Chris, what was the second part of your question? Um, what's one other person or hobbyist or sure. YouTube video or online blog or tutorial or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. that you might have watched um, that would you would recommend yeah. to others? I'll throw two out there. Um, first one is definitely Vincent Venturella. Um, I, I would hazard a guess that most people in the Age of Sigma community um, know uh, Vince's videos and have watched one or two, but uh, he breaks things down in a way that's really easy to follow and uh, it is actually not difficult. Um, you know, with, with with a bit of practice and, and some improvement in your skill, pretty much everything that he does, uh, you can follow along with really well. Um, he did a video a while ago about base coding, and it's just such a simple thing, right? Something that we do all the time, but just the insight that he has uh, on, on that simple topic um, I think is really, really valuable. So his stuff is great. Uh, and then in terms of um, airbrushing, uh, I learned a lot from uh, Kenny Boucher and his channel is, oh, I can't remember. That's really bad. Kenny Boucher. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Kenny Boucher is the guy anyway, and and he demystified the airbrush for me. Uh, he's the guy that was like, look, the airbrush is not anything that is beyond skill level. Like, it's just something that you can use, same as a normal brush. Um, uh, he really demystified it for me so that. Uh, I'm way more confident in using my airbrush um, for for all sorts of things, not just you know priming and base coating, but but uh, I, I use my airbrush so much more now uh, because I, I think most people are a little bit frightened 
of the airbrush when when they first get it or the concept of the airbrush um how it works and that kind of thing but uh you, you just you don't need to be um obviously there's a learning curve like there is with with everything but yeah, totally. uh it, it's i mean it's, currently in that curve <laughs> yeah I'm but finally starting to get a bit of a hang of it now, though. So yeah, it doesn't take too long. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and you know, as I said before, you can't stuff like you can't wreck a model. Like you might accidentally get something in the wrong spot. If you're quick enough, you can you can clean it off. But the worst thing, the absolute worst thing, uh, when you're painting a model is that you might need to repaint a bit. Like yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I think I found that um, channel. Is it Next Level Painting? Next Level Painting. That's the one. Thank you. There you go. Subscribed. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So his stuff is his stuff is really really good. Uh, an, an example. I'll, I'll throw an example out. So uh, when I was painting my gargant and painting the flesh on my gargant. So uh, because it's a, a fairly large model, um, I was you know doing doing a few things to try and get good smooth blends which is hard to do in in large flat areas and uh the airbrush works really well for that so base coat with an airbrush do um you know some some basic uh what we might call sketching uh with an airbrush so um just just highlighting in in places fairly roughly keeping everything nice and rough to begin yep. with with the airbrush then i went in with my normal brush to uh glaze in shades um glazed in all the shades with my normal brush uh did a little bit of wet blending to, to smooth out some of the some of the airbrush sketching and then came back in with my airbrush over the top of that uh to blend in the highlights and i did all the highlighting um with my with my airbrush to, to blend all that in together and you know when when I first started with the with the airbrush, there's no way, no way that I would have had the confidence to do that. Um, but you know, uh, after a bit of practice and you know watching some of Kenny's videos and that kind of stuff, it's like, I mean, it's just, it's such an, uh, it's an easy way, easy, uh, doing air quotes, easy way of getting really nice smooth blends. Uh, and yeah, you just don't don't be afraid to to jump back and forward between your airbrush and your your, your brush and and that kind of thing. Hundred percent. Like I've been yeah doing something similar myself. Like I've just I, I don't think I'll be using a rattle can ever again. Yeah, no, me either. Like, like I've got them in my cupboard. I'm like, when am I going to use these now? <laughs> I've like all the models I've done so far. I've been using um like Stoliners like by Badger. Yeah. So um. White primer, black primer, grey primer. Yeah. Um, like they go on super smooth. You don't have to add absolutely bow and improve or anything like that. But um, yeah, yeah, just like starting with that. Then you know, Zenithal, the whole Zenithal um base mm -hmm. coating as well. Like yeah, I've done that on my latest sort of set of models. Um, like it's this is all stuff that I've known about for ages. Just haven't yeah. actually done myself. So I'm giving it a crack now. And yeah, like it's it's very subtle difference but it does make it seems to be like my models are looking different like they're kind of I yeah know, i can't quite put my finger on it but yeah like, yeah and it's one of those things that you can smoother, you can yes. <laughs> it is smoother and you can be messy with it to begin with like for those for those initial um you know 
building up building up highlights and that kind of stuff um as you're saying the zenithal stuff you don't need to be perfect you can be messy with it and then you can come back in and and uh, you know, with your brush, clean up your shades and that kind of stuff, and then uh, you know, build back out. And um, I think a lot of people going go into the hobby uh, and, and go into certain aspects of the hobby, thinking, "All right, if I do this, then that's going to be a good end result." Um, but a lot of a lot of miniature painting is back and forth. So yeah. I'll do it messy here. I'll come in, clean this up, go back over and, and you know, um, do highlights, uh, go back and forward between my shade and highlight. So, I mean, yeah. the, the, yeah, games, right. yeah, the games workshop method of, of base, shade, um, highlight, highlight, mm. uh, or layer highlight uh, is great. I mean, you can get some really effective models um uh, and, and it's a great way of getting good looking models quickly it's a fantastic but foundation it's a foundation foundation right. absolutely but i've found that more and more um uh, if i'm stretched for time I'll, I'll go there but more and more it's just that back and forth between shadow highlight between um airbrush and brush just um uh not no not necessarily any one technique, but just going back and forth uh, until you get a result that is smooth and, and you're happy with. I think that's what I'm really enjoying about using like these oils and enamels is because they do take so much longer to dry. Yeah. You've got that time to kind of manipulate it a bit more. And if you do get it onto other parts of the model, you just, you just get a Q-tip and some mineral spirits and just wipe it off, like just dab it off and it's gone. Like, so you can be, like as you're saying, be messy with it. And um, if you want to, if you're not happy with a certain area, like I'll just go back with, with a Q-tip and just kind of reactivate the paint. Sure, yeah, yeah. The spirit and we'll kind of, yeah. you can manipulate it again and um, you can kind of build up really nice. Uh, like, so for example, like uh, doing, like my old tech, my old technique for doing, uh, you know, uh, like a vertigree, vertigree um, patina on some brass mm -hmm. or something like that was, my standard formula was uh, put the metallics down, nylac oxide, then come back, like, you know, or, you know base color, wash, nylac yeah. oxide, yeah, yeah. and then back with, like, I'd always do a bit of a hot, like a dry brush back with a yep. metallic to kind of bring out the metal underneath. And that was kind yeah. of, that was my formula, and that was done. I did that in all of my, all of my um, verdigree. Um, but I've, now I've sort of, I've tried a new way, which is um, just, just block out the color, the gold, for example. What I'm doing at the moment, yeah, um, like you know, retributor gold or whatever, um, yep. acrylic paint, and then do a wash all over with some thin down, um, so Abtalong 502 um, turquoise lights, so it's like really bright turquoise oil paint, um, and yeah, just kind of wash that all over it, and then go back with a Q-tip and mineral spirits, and just keep like kind of like removing it from all yep. the raised areas and remove it, remove, remove it because the pigment in the paint and everything, it just kind of spreads across and you can kind of go back, let it dry a bit. You can do more in other areas if you want to, but you, you can really just reactivate it, spread it around. Um, and then once that's dried, go over with, um, so a bit, I've started using um, sort of some AK interactive uh, like metal paints, which are wax based paints. So they come in yep. tubes, but they're wax based. So they're, they're designed for, um, you know, 
modeling, I guess, you know, like a yeah, yeah. planes and trains, whatever, and all that, all that kind of good gear. But um, it's designed so when you put it onto a flat surface, uh, you can actually, when it dries, you can actually buff it up <laughs> and polish it up sort of thing. But yeah, um, nice. the way I've been using it is kind of like almost like a, yeah, just a bit of a, a dry brush back across um, to kind of bring out the edges and everything like that. And just, you only have to do like the lightest touch and you've just got a nice kind of in scale, um, like a more, I guess, more realistic kind of um, uh, switch between the verdigris and the metal underneath kind of thing. Like it's yeah. just, yeah, like these tutorials I've been watching with um, the Grimdark Compendium, like one of the, like this just blew my mind, like how he does, um, how he does gore spatters with uh, Blood for the Blood God. Yeah. So in the past, I just, you know, applied sparingly or maybe a bit too much. Yep. Pieces, but, you know, it's so easy to get carried away. With, with yeah, like, absolutely. you got to be so subtle. But like, but even going from that and just sort of feeling like, yeah, I kind of got this now. I, I don't, don't use it too much, you know, just use, use it sparingly to get the good results. But one thing I learned, um, if you want to get those blood spatters, um, like you can sort of, you know, flick your paintbrush with the blood for the blood god and yep. you can get that spattery effect if you want. But the thing is, like, it's not in scale. Like, the blood scatters, mm. spatters aren't in scale. So what he's, uh, what I've learned to do um, from him is you actually mix the blood for blood god with the mineral spirits or mineral turps or whatever, like a solvent. And yep. it sort of, because it's a water-based paint mixed with a solvent, it kind of gets really viscous and glug gluggy. And so you kind of, you flick that on or you apply it where you want it to go. And it's kind of hard to get it off the paintbrush, but you, you kind of get it on there. And then to kind of spread it around, you just you, you get another paintbrush, put some water on it, like a bit of water, and then um, sort of put that onto the blood for the blood god, and, and it kind of breaks the surface tension, and you can kind yep. of spread it around, and it's like really like tiny like little um, spatters, like I guess you could say. So it's kind of like creates an in scale um, blood and gore effect, mm. which kind of adds to the realism of the model. And I just I've just um, been doing that on these um, zombie um, grave guard that I've just finished or almost finished. Um, but yeah, just applying the gore using that technique, it's just kind of, I can put more on there, but it doesn't look like it's overbearing because it looks sure. like it's in scale. It's meant to be there. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of gives that aspect of realism, I suppose, what I'm getting at. But yeah, just kind of, it's a real, there's a whole world out there of different techniques and ways to do things that even just if you learn like one or two new new things, like it'll just take your hobby forward like leaps and bounds. Absolutely. Know? And give you that yeah. hunger and thirst for more, you know, like, yeah. For sure. And I, I really, I really value um, that intentional practice. So for each project that I do, I set myself a goal. I want to get better at this. Um, yeah. So for my Cancon army two years ago, the Bratovaness stuff, um, I really wanted to get better at creating texture on miniatures. And so um, I spent a lot of time working on the texture and, and trying to get, um, trying to get, you know, um, varied, interesting textures on the models. Uh, and then, you know, with this mixed destruction, I wanted to work on sculpting. Uh, um, uh, I really wanted to go beyond just, um, you know, gap filling with with green stuff or whatever and just just sculpting little things and actually do some some a, a decent amount of of sculpting in the army um and and i think choosing that goal and having that intentional thing that you want to work on um 
means, yeah, that, that you can put a bit of time, put a bit more time and a bit more energy and a bit more focus on improving that thing um, while, you know, you're using your existing skills uh, to, to, to fill out the rest of the models or the rest of the project. Uh, and the more you do that, the more skills that you have and the more um, those things become just the, the normal way that you paint, the normal way that you do yeah. things. Yeah, um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, I think that's probably a good point to, to wrap it up there, unless um, you've got any kind of final things you'd like to say Tim like to anyone listening that's looking to improve painting sculpting anything like that um, any kind of final advice you would give just do it just do it get stuck in play around well, that's have what Nike fun. wanted you to say that's that's what Nike wanted me to say that's what yeah. um uh you know that that's what the the nice pay packet in my bank account no um yeah no just uh, just play around, have fun, get into it. Um, there's no, I don't think there's a right or wrong way of miniature painting. And I think we can often get hung up on um, if I learn this technique, then I'll, I'll be a better painter. I mean, it, it is true to, to a certain degree, but, you know, don't, don't worry about loaded brush or non-metallic metal or anything like that. Just... Just paint and have fun and play around. Set yourself goals um, and uh, enjoy, hobby. <laughs> in, enjoy it. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Yeah. It is meant to be enjoyed. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And like a lot. Sorry, sorry, Chris. I know you no, want to wrap up. No, no, but, fine. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of people talk about miniature painting as a chore and I understand you know gamers who want to get their army ready for, for for that kind of stuff but guys this is your hobby this is what you do for fun um, so if there's ever a point in miniature painting where you're just like I don't want to do it then don't because if you're not having fun with it then you know you're not gonna you're not gonna improve and you're not gonna uh, get what you want out of a hobby, and that is to to to, to have fun and to um, uh, improve yourself. And yeah, I don't know that that's just one thing that bugs me. A lot of people say it like, "Oh, it's just it's uh, just just a chore." I mean, take a break. It breaks my Stop. Heart. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was my rant. <laughs> No, awesome. It's been great to have you on, Tim. Um, and I know we've already mentioned before you're kind of at the Aussie Wargamer, I think, on Twitter. Yep. Um, or at Aussie Wargamer. Um, but yeah, if is that the best place for people to find you? Or um, yeah, yeah where, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, pretty much everything I do, I'll post up on Twitter. Um, there's a couple of a couple of groups on on Facebook that that I enjoy. I'm just Tim Barclay on, on Facebook, but um, but yeah, Twitter is absolutely the best place uh, if you want to follow my hobby goodness. Great, and we'll Instagram as well. Have mm. you thought about Instagram? I, I can only really manage one or two one social time. media yeah, platforms. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think That's yeah, right. Twitter's enough for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a good place. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. We'll um make sure that we get a link to that video um and throw some links up to your photos if you can, Konami as well in sure. the um when we post this episode so people can can check that out. But yeah, thanks again for joining. It's been great to have you on and kind of hear some insights about you as a hobby hobbyist. Um so yeah, thanks very much. And um for everyone that's listened, if you want to get in touch with me about anything, probably not on the painting side. I'm not going to be able to give you all the <laughs> gems that Tim and James can, but you can um follow me at Wounded Mortally. And you can follow me at uh Duke Kadrick. And that's on Twitter, Instagram. And on Facebook, I'm just James Mabry. Or probably the best place for me now on, on Facebook is through the Mortally, Mortally Wounded Facebook page. I've been posting a lot more on, on there recently. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, and hope to see you on the next one soon. Thanks very much. Been a blast. Uh-huh.